Thanks for downloading the free and ad-supported version of Cubs Pod, which is actually three daily Cubs podcasts smashed into one episode. But Cubs Pod is actually a daily Cubs podcast, which is released every single day during the Cubs season on our Patreon page, completely ad-free at patreon.com slash sunranto. In fact, you'll get all Sunranto shows early and ad-free on our private premium RSS feed. Plus, you'll get access to our private Discord group where we host game watches and Cubs fan chats with the Super Ranters. Join us for as little as $1 at patreon.com slash sunranto. Please support independent Cubs media like us, and subscribe at patreon.com slash sunranto. We can't do it without you. Thank you. And enjoy this version that is ad-supported of Cubs Pod. Hi, and thanks for downloading Cubs Pod, a Bleacher Bunch production on the Fans First Network, your daily dose of digestible, delightful Cubs content. I'm your host, Danny Rocket, here to tell you what's happening right now in the world of the Chicago Cubs on June 10th, 2023. Last night, we had a game hang in the Discord with a bunch of the Sun Ranto Patreon ranters, and uh, we are undefeated. So if you want to be a part of a a winning organization, I suggest you come to the game hang and uh, cheer the Cubs on to victory. Of course, if they lose, finally, the night that you attend the game hang, we'll have you uh, be the scapegoat. So So, hey, that's just, uh, if you haven't been here so far and tasted victory like the rest of us had in the game hang, uh, you don't know what you're missing. We're having a good time in there discussing all things Cubs, Cubs. and amongst other things, just becoming friends with becoming friends with each other, just having a really good time. So show on up next time we do one. I don't know when the next one is, but we'll do one. So stick tuned and try to find it. But we are undefeated. The Cubs, they scored uh, three runs in the seventh inning, and that was enough to beat the Giants three to two. Each team had seven hits, and Marcus Stroman was once again magnificent. Um, let's start at the beginning of the game, tell you how it all unfolded. Um, Nick Magical is back. And uh, they sent Miles Mastroboni away. So now we have the right-handed Mastroboni. Uh, but like Mastroboni, uh, Nick Madrigal walked in his first plate appearance. That's really all he did the entire game. We saw it right away. He walked. Uh, and then in one of the weirder plays that I've seen in baseball um, that we had to kind of decipher in the game hang of, of what happened here, uh, Nick Madrigal was thrown out stealing. But what was strange about it was that on the exact same play, Seiya Suzuki walked. So we've seen this play a million times. A guy takes off. It's a three and two count. He takes off. uh, He slides in, but it was a walk. So he's safe at second anyway, even if he tagged him out, you know, like the catcher throws down because he doesn't know what the umpire is going to do is it a ball or a strike, but he's not waiting around to find out. So he throws down there. Uh, the runner slides in and he tags him out, but it doesn't matter. He's not out. He's safe because it was a walk. Well, check this out. What happens in this case where that exact same thing happens, the runner slides in safely or not safely. And then the, the tag stays on the runner 
and he comes off the base after already being safe, depending with the walk even. I mean, he was he was entitled to the base, so he didn't have to slide at all. But if you hit the base and then you come off the base and you get tagged out, you are now out because it's not a dead ball when there's a walk. And um, even because even though that's a, like a force that way, imagine the runner's on second and is running to, to third. Um, you know, on a walk, he would also be out at third base if they were trying to steal third. So Nick Magical's out. And then say I got caught stealing after walking. So, you know, WTF. Um, and then in uh, the bottom of the first, Stroh goes out there to start his game and immediately walks Lamont Wade Jr., the leadoff single, uh, leadoff hitter. And then Jock singled, Jock Peterson, of course, is, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, But luckily for Stroh, uh, he got a double play from Estrada. And then he, uh, he struck out the next hitter and uh, did a little dance. Came off the mound as he was coming off the mound. Uh, Cubs then did nothing. In the second, Yastrzemski singled, and then there was another double play. So he got two double plays to get out of a little bit of traffic. And then in the third, Patrick Wisdom singled. And he really needed that. That's why I bring it up. Um, there was abs- absolutely nothing happened after that. So it really didn't matter that he singled, except to Patrick Wisdom, who really needed a hit. The Giants did get a run in the third, however, all with two outs. Uh, Lamont Wade Jr. walked again. Then Jock Peterson singled again. But this time, instead of Estrada hitting into a double play, he hit a double and it was now one to nothing gigantes. But that's all they could get. In the top of the fourth, Seiya had a one-out double, and uh, but Hap flied out, Dansby Cade, nothing doing. So a waste of that. And then uh, in the fifth, Wisdom had a one-out walk, in the, but uh, Morell lined into a double play, which... It's very similar to a play we saw the other night when uh, Cubs were threatening to score and Jan Gomes lined into a double play. Um, just they're hitting the ball hard, but uh, right at somebody, and unfortunately, just didn't work out. But one thing I want to say about Morell, he didn't really uh, he hit the ball. <laughs> I mean, I know that's for somebody who strikes out as much as Christopher Morell has struck out. It's just nice when he actually hits the baseball in fact last night he didn't strike out at all he was 0 for 3 but he walked and he did not strike out and really that's what we're asking more than anything I mean we'd love the home runs to come back we need them god we need them and they will if he hits the ball (laughs) and he did that he lined out hard and he hit a bunch of balls to the outfield so uh he's my click to pick pick to click tonight and my click to pick so uh, then again, in the fifth inning, Jack Peterson singled. So that's three singles for Jack Peterson here. This will come into play a little bit later in the game. Fast forward to the seventh inning, Seiya Suzuki, his third hit, uh, or actually that was his second hit, he singles, then Hap walked. Uh, this is how the rally started, okay? The Giants then changed their pitcher to a guy named Ryan Walker, which, ha, 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 pitcher with the name Walker. Uh, Dansby flew out, but the runners of Suzuki and Hap advanced. 
and Hap had some terrible slide and he tumbled all over the place. And then Mervis got hit by a pitch in his back foot. So he got to see first base for the first time in a while. And then Horner comes up to bat, pinch hitting for Patrick Wisdom, and it made David Ross look like a genius. Of course, in that situation, you've got runners on second and third. You do not need Patrick Wisdom up there to strike out. You need a contact guy in Nico Horner who was sitting for the night, but obviously not hurt, available to come off the bench. And it, he singled in Saya and Hap. Super clutch. Somebody finally stepped up. That man was Nico Horner, who has really been scuffling lately, so I couldn't be happier for the kid. A wild pitch then uh, moved uh, up Horner to second base. Morell walked, and then uh, finally the bases became loaded. Uh, I think I'm leaving out a hitter, but who cares? The bases were loaded. And then Barnhart actually came through and he singled and gave the Cubs a little bit of insurance, which they would come to need uh, immediately as Barnhart singled and made it three to one. And um, hey, man, he that, what can I say? He's been terrible. But if the one hit he's going to get per week or per every two weeks is going to be one that actually was the game winning hit. I'll take it, even though I don't even think the defense is really there enough to justify it. But who am I to say? Because uh, later on in this game, I Barnhart, I don't know. He came in. I, I don't know whose ball this was. Well, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Um, in the then magical uh, struck out, and remember this: all these um, runs. That you know, this final run where Barnhart singled here, that was all with just one out. The only out in this uh, game in this uh, inning was Dansby that advanced the runners, it ended up being a, like a sacrifice. So, uh, then Madrigal struck out, Mr. Contact, bases loaded, Madrigal struck out, Talkman grounded out, and so I mean, you got the one guy coming through with the bases loaded and two guys not, so our numbers with the bases loaded do go up they were one for three which is like a 333 batting average which is much higher than it was but still you had a chance to get a lot more done right there and it would have been nice if you could have done it stroke comes out in the seventh again uh once a little bit of traffic on the bases for him but for the most part he pitched really well and he was doing great but he did he got a strikeout and then he gave up a brandon crawford double then got Lamont Wade Jr. to uh, ground out softly. Uh, that moved Crawford to third base with two outs. And um, Mr. I mean, he's three for three at the point. Bunch of singles. He's got great numbers against Marcus Stroman. I'm talking about uh, Jock Peterson here. Absolutely ridiculous numbers against. He's seen him the most of any uh, giant, and he's eight for 14. Now, I don't know if this is adding yesterday's numbers because uh, uh, this page is still open from last night when I looked this up. He's got four doubles, um, eight hits, and 14 plays. So, like, if Jock Peterson's up, there's a really good chance that he's going to get this run home from third with a single, which he needs because there's two outs. Now, there's the, the other way you could look at it, which is he's already got three hits on the night. What are the odds he's going to get another one? Probably pretty slim because he's already got the three hits. Is he going to go four for four with four singles? 
or finally hit a home run off Stroh, which he's never done. Like, Chuck can figure out how to, you know, do some sort of swinging bunt crap and get on base. But is he going to be able to beat Marcus Stroman in this moment? Well, David Ross didn't think so. So he went and got Mark Leiter Jr., which, you know, with the reverse splits, you know, it does make sense. And the three three for three on the game, it all it makes technical sense. But I don't like that Ross iced his own team in that moment. We had momentum. We just had taken the lead. It's three to one. You know, sure, you got a man on second, but let Stroh get that out and let whoever you want to bring in in the eighth inning. And maybe you don't even need to because Marcus Stroman, I believe, was at only 91 pitches when they took him out. I'm looking it up right now. And yeah, 91 pitches. Lighter Jr. comes in. And, you know, here's the thing. it it Here's what happens when Lighter Jr. comes into the pen because it, it wasn't pretty. Uh, so Jock Peterson did the same thing that he probably would have done off Stroman, which is hit some stupid little number, but instead of Marcus Stroman fielding this ball, who's a gold glove fielder, you have Mark Leiter Jr. running over there. Now I get back to Tucker Barnhart, which maybe that's his ball to go out there and get. Now I was right there in no man's land and they, and the umpire actually did call Jock Peterson out on the play, but he looked safe to the naked eye. And if you're, and this is where you get into some of the Matt Mervis criticism, because unlike Anthony Rizzo, who would have been doing the splits with his glove outstretched to know that he's got to get that ball as soon as possible. um, Matt Mervis kind of let this ball come to him and, you know, the throw was okay, but it was, you know, it wasn't great. And Mark Leiter Jr. didn't field it cleanly, such as Stroh probably would have done uh, because he's really good at fielding. And so I don't know if like this, same thing's going to happen and Jock Peterson's going to hit a little nubber in front of the plate to uh, down the first baseline to, to to try to get this run home in in this like trashy way but um you know none of these were all singles that Jock Peterson hit off of Marcus Stroman anyway either way I don't mean to belabor the point because we did actually win this game lest I complain too much about this but I just don't like the way Grandpa Lossie does this dumb crap with two outs and and the momentum going your way when a guy is actually working through it 91 pitches i mean crawford double sure but i mean i get the move like it makes sense it actually worked out because lighter jr came out for the eighth and did great you know i it I got no complaints about Leiter Jr. and how this happened, but this run ended up scoring from third base because Crawford was or uh, Peterson was called safe originally. So anyway, Leiter Jr. gets a K, gets out of the inning, but it's now three to two. In the eighth, the Cubs send Saya to the plate. He singles to lead off, but nothing more happens. Leiter goes one, two, three in the ninth or in the eighth. I mean, and you know, great. Love it. Great move. But I don't like how the seventh went. Um, Leiter, Leiter Jr. is also now not available. He threw a lot of pitches, 26 uh, pitches. So, uh, Nico Horner, who was in there for Patrick Wisdom, ended up singling 
Um, and uh, that moved, by the way, Nick Madrigal over to third base in this game. And a ball dropped. I, I think it was with Leiter on the mound in the eighth. A ball dropped between Madrigal, Leiter Jr., and Barnhart. Another moment where like Barnhart, I know you don't play that much, but like take charge out there. Like Nicky Madrigal's not a third baseman and that's not Lighter's ball. His Lighter's just like looking at everybody like, uh, somebody gonna get this? Like, what's going on here? Ball drop foul, no harm, no foul, but it was a foul, so there no harm and a foul. Not no harm, no foul. Oh, that's tricky. Tricky to think about. So then in the ninth inning, Horner singled. And Morrell flew out, and uh, not. I mean, Barnhart hit into it, hit into a double play, and erased Horner. But once again, Barnhart came through in that in his big moment. And at this point, the game would have been tied had Barnhart not come through. Adbert Alzali is the closer for the Chicago Cubs. I don't know if Lossie knows that. I don't know if. Uh, the fans know it yet, or the other teams, or even Alzali himself. But he is the closer. Uh, he went one, two, three, two strikeouts. And the last pitch of the game was right down the middle of the plate to Brandon Crawford, a veteran. And he was frozen. His knees just, he froze. Didn't move it, d- didn't move at all. Didn't even think that he could swing. He just got, as I said, frozen. Did not know what to do with the pitch. Right down the middle. When you see that, that means your stuff is at the verge of being elite. If a veteran like Brandon Crawford gets frozen on a pitch, right there for him. Right there to freaking cheese out of the ballpark. And you know he could do it. Brandon Crawford, I don't you mean he's towards the back end of his career, but still, like, he knows what he's doing out there. Giants aren't that bad. So, anyway, Cubs win. Ranters win. All there in the Discord, just congratulating ourselves, patting ourselves on the back. If you weren't there last night, thank you to us for winning this game single-handedly. Um, yeah, I can't say it went exactly how I wanted to, but let's let's hope the Cubs get on a little bit of a roll here. Um, I like our chances tonight, too. But uh, just to recap what happened last night, Cubs only struck out five times. They walked five times. You'd love to see that. Say Suzuki, kind of the hero of the game, three for three with a walk. Madrigal, over three with a walk. Raw top of the order. I hate it. I don't like him. I, I, I no. Put an. You have Ian Happ in this lineup. He walks a ton right now. Put him up top. When when you don't have uh, Nico Horner doing it, just switch Happ up there. It's not like he's like showing us you know, all this power this year that we need to put him down the order so we can drive in runs. That's not what's happening anyway. He's walking. So put him at the freaking top. Not Nick Madrigal. 0 for 3 with a walk. That ain't, it, what? It's a 250 OBP on on one game. <laughs> so don't like it. He made the defensive miscue. I don't like him at third base. He actually played second for most of this game, but, you know. Um, I want to talk about Christopher Morrell real quick. He took the walk, hit the ball. Um and he still has a 932 OPS despite kind of disappearing after his incredible hot streak. And then uh, Matt Mervis, I don't know what we're going to do here. Uh, didn't like the defense last night. Struck out twice, 169 batting average. He's not been playing. 
Sorry. Nice. By the way, happy 6-9, everybody, belatedly. It's, it's 6-10 right now. But, uh, yeah, Matt Mervis, I, I don't know. Do, do you just let him play? Do you let him work out these kinks? Like, AAA ain't going to do anything. Hosmer's off the team. and He's got to learn to hit everybody. I mean, I don't know what to do. Matt Mervis, it's a problem. But the Cubs won a run-run one-run game, and we should be very happy about that. Tonight against the Giants, and I love playing the Giants. It it may, gives me um, great memories of 2015 and 16 because the Giants were kind of coming off their little dynasty as we were uh, ascending, and those were some great games. Just tight one-run games, playing the playing an old. National League rival, just it felt so good, you know, bringing up 89 and you're having people talking about Will Clark and stuff like that was a lot of fun. I like playing the Giants. And I have great memories of the Cubs going out there in the NLDS where they had that comeback win in the uh, in the ninth in, in inning of game four to win it. Um, man, just great, great memories of seeing that ballpark. Kyle Hendricks pitched in that series, and he is 0-2 with a 470. He's pitching tonight. And he's going up against old friend, ex-Cardinal John Brebia, who's now clean-shaven. He used to look like a mountain man. Um, he's 2-0 with a 365, but he's not really a starter. He's actually an opener. So the Giants are employing John Brebia as an opener. Right now, so he's probably only in there for a game or or an inning, um, maybe two innings against Milwaukee. He went two innings, um, but he didn't even start that game. He ended that game. In the games he started, he's only gone one inning um, each time, and he did that last time against Colorado. One inning, gave up two hits, but nothing else. Oh, and a walk too, um, but no runs. So. Yeah, so he's done this a few times. I'm looking right now. One, two, three, four, five. One inning game opener uh, starts, quote unquote. Um, but it, it, he has embraced this to the point where I guess there's a song by an artist named Kid Quill called The Opener. And he's that's his song when he comes out for his one inning of work. And it's uh, got the line that he was, I watched this video of him lip syncing along to the line, I'm just the opener, no one came to see me. <laughs> so, and on this night, it starts at 6.35 Central Time. So it's kind of a weird start time for San Fran, 4.35. But it is Pride Night or Pride Day because it's only 4.30. It'll be light outside when the game ends. Um but they have got a really nice jersey they're giving away to the first 20,000 fans. It is a, a rainbow jersey, a Giants jersey, but it's really cool. It's got a lot more colors than you normally see in the LGBTQ rainbow flag. So, like, there's black, brown, blue, pink, white, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, a different blue, a purple, like... You know, just everybody under the banner. And that's pretty cool. Like, I mean, that's really what it is. It's just like, hey, everybody, you know, all the colors together, you know, like, swirl it up, baby. So 
Very cool jersey, though. I dig it. And um, it is being Pride Night. They've got all these things going on. They got uh, the lesbian and gay free. I mean, San Francisco, too. Like, I mean, that was a mecca for gay people to feel safe. It's where, you know, the, the AIDS crisis really was. It, it took center hold there in New York City, you know, anywhere people are. And that their gay men were accepted and women. Um, you know, it's the, uh, this is the cities where you can go and uh, be who you want to be. San Francisco, I mean, if there's any, all I'm saying is if there's ever a pride night that probably throws down the best of all, it's got to be San Francisco, right? It's got to be. So, yeah, so they've got the the Gay and Lesbian Freedom Band, which is probably fun. Uh, And then they got the jersey. Uh, They're uh, raising some flags. They got a flag raising during a pregame ceremony um, with uh, youth organizations and their families and uh commemorate the start of pride month the national anthem is going to be sung by brian ruby a country artist who is a former baseball player and founder of proud to be in baseball a nonprofit dedicated to providing resources for lgbtq baseball players um lgbtq plus i should say and uh the first pitch is going to be um (laughs) thrown out by darcy drollinger that's d apostrophe rc Drollinger, if you want to look him up, San Francisco's first ever drag laureate. Um, I'm thinking Michael Cotton can be ours. I don't know what a drag laureate is, but uh, we're going to get one. We're not going to go down without Chicago getting one. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to look into this. And then um, I, there's all sorts of, there's DJs. I mean, I, I'm just saying, like, there's going to be a lot of fun uh, you'll see the Freedom Band at the seventh inning stretch. Um, I don't know. This this is the Pride Night to go to if you're going to go to one. So get on a plane. Get out there. There's plenty of time to get to the ballpark tonight to see this ball game, depending on what time you're listening to this Cubs spot, which I'm getting out late, and I apologize for. Uh, I guess I should go into the matchups for this evening. Um, yeah, Kyle Hendricks. I mean, six innings pitched against the Padres. You like the length. 84 pitches. Did give up four runs. Um, a lot of that was on some soft contact, kind of nickeled and dimed by the Padres. Um, he, he's building back, you know. Four innings versus the Mets. Gave up three runs. Uh, well, three earned. Uh, it was really good. Only one earned run against the Rays, one of the best hitting teams in baseball. So, like, you know, you're just taking what you can get. I mean, if you can be a back end of the rotation guy, you'll – You'll take it because, frankly, we need the depth. You're looking at the Giants against him. Brandon Crawford seen him the most. Kind of stinks. Three for three for seventeen, but two of them are doubles. One seventy-seven batting average. Yeah, not great. Uh, Will Wilmer Flores has seen him a bunch. Only batting one twenty-five. Jock Peterson seen him a bunch. One for nine, but it is a home run. And uh, the only one that actually does well is Lamont Wade Jr., who's got two walks and three hits in five and seven plate appearances. So um, Conforto is three for four with a couple of doubles. So, like, it's a mixed bag. But the guys who have seen him the most haven't done very well. Um, I like our chances. I, li- I, like, uh, I like Kyle out there in San Francisco with the flowers in his hair. And then uh, Brebbia is an opener, so I don't know what to tell you. Like, I don't know what we'll see after that. We'll see the Giants' bullpen, I guess, is where we'll be with this. And um, 
it's it's a I don't know if it's a bullpen game or we're gonna look at you know a, some guys that will be uh, like I don't know kind of their version of Javier Assad multiple inning dudes where you get two of this and three of that and the other thing but all we know is like Grandpa Lossie will definitely run out of ball players by the end of this game <laughs> there's no doubt in my mind that there will be nobody left on the bench. And uh, it, when if you look at the uh, Giants' overall bullpen, I mean, I, I mean, gosh, where are they on this list? Oh, they're they're in the middle. So they got a four hundred six ERA to the Cubs four fifty three. I mean, they're eighteenth in the league as far as ERA goes. They they give up runs at a below average, meaning bad clip. Bullpen game. I mean, the Giants, they're not great. We can beat them again. That's all I'm saying. Pride night. Have some pride in yourselves, Cubs, and win win two games in a row like you used to do back last week. Let's get it done. Well, there's my Cubs pod. There's your Cubs pod. It's for you. Not for me. I guess it's for me. For all of us. For the people. Spookog. All over Chicagoland, there are thirsty, frazzled, overworked Cubs podcasters who are struggling to survive one more baseball season in the dog-eat-dog world of unpaid content creation. But it doesn't have to be this way. You can make a difference. Become a super ranter at patreon.com slash sunranto, where your support ensures that poor, sad, pathetic, ugly, loser Cubs podcasters can pay for tickets and beer, and in turn, line the pockets of the baseball agarch Ricketts family. Just $1 a month can buy a scorecard. $5 a month can pay for guitar strings to write a Cubs song. And $10 a month almost buys one beer at Wrigley Field. Cubs content creators are the lowest pieces of pond scum garbage that slither over the face of this planet. But Super Ranters help them get drunk and screw off at baseball games. What do you get out of it? The Sun Ranto Show, delivered to your podcatcher without stupid advertisements like the one you're seeing and hearing right now. Plus, at other Super Ranter levels, you can get Cubs music, access to private Sun Ranto pages, the Ranter calendar, and special thanks and Ranter recognition in our live broadcasts, plus eligibility for monthly prizes. What does Sun Ranto get out of it? Your money. For tickets and beer. Go to patreon.com slash sunranto. That's patreon.com slash sunranto. And become a super ranter today. It is June 11th, 2023, and this is Cubs Pod, your daily dose of digestible Cubs content brought to you by the Bleacher Bunch Productions for the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Michael Cotton, and I am telling you all about 
every single piece of news. That, okay, I'm kidding. I don't know everything going on with the Cubs. Uh, sometimes I'm very confused with what's going on with the Cubs. But what I do know is that last night, Kyle Hendricks pitched a gem of a game. Uh, almost got a no-hitter for the first time in his career. And he did it in a way that had it been pulled off would have been the first time that ever happened in the history of baseball. Unfortunately, he was not able to get that done. He went seven and two-thirds innings for the no-hitter before he finally gave up a blast that hit the bottom of the left center field wall for a single in the eighth inning with two outs. He immediately got the next uh, batter out, and it was over for Kyle. He did not come back out for the ninth inning. Uh, maybe that's fine. He had 91 pitches. I personally would have liked to see him get the complete game after all that, but I don't know what's happening in the dugout. I know that they don't like to do complete games the way that I think they should, and you know maybe Kyle was tired. These are... Those are high-stress situations, and once you get out of it, once the hit gets given up or whatever, maybe the relief and the just the, the release of all that pressure makes it harder to get right back out there and pitch again in the ninth inning. So I'm not going to kill David Ross too much on this because, honestly, I don't know for sure if Kyle Hendricks would have wanted to go back out there. I could not tell from you know watching it how he was reacting, how he's talking to people. Uh, I couldn't tell that he was upset in any way, but maybe that's just Kyle Hendricks. Like, we can never really tell what he's thinking. Now, the part that I was saying, uh, if he had pulled it off, had never been done before, is that Kyle Hendricks called all of his own pitches last night. This comes from the last game where he struggled a little bit, tried to shake off a few pitches, and had pitch clock violations. He was very frustrated by this, so they actually they flip-flopped the, the pitcher-catcher talking thing, whatever that thing's called, and they gave the, the pitch-calling device to Kyle Hendricks, and he would push the button and let Miguel Amaya know what was going to be pitched so that Amaya would be prepared for what was coming in. Um, it was impressive he clearly knew what he was doing out there uh i've always been a big advocate for catchers getting no hitters as part of their resume because they have always called all the games um now it's usually in pre-pitch clock era it was a conversation you know the the catcher would call most of the pitches but the pitcher had an opportunity to shake him off and they can't do that anymore uh, that's kind of what was going on with that last game with Kyle Hendricks. He wanted to shake off some pitches, and he couldn't do it. He ended up violating the time, and so this time they went the other way. It was uh, it was a smart move. I I did not see that coming. It was, it was a good idea, and you know maybe there's other pitchers out there that should do the same. I know Stroman doesn't want to do that. He has been on record saying that he likes when he's got a really good catcher out there calling the game. He doesn't shake him off at all. He just throws the pitch that the catcher wants, and it works for him. You know, but guys like uh, 
Kyle Hendricks are very smart. They study all this stuff. They're really into it. And maybe they're the better person to be out there making the calls, especially when you have a guy like Amaya, who is literally a brand new rookie and just doesn't, even if he'd done every bit of research that he possibly could, he's still not quite aware of what all these batters can do. Anyway, calling his own pitches, Kyle went uh, seven and two-thirds innings of no-hit baseball, which is also a surprise uh, that because that was the longest that anybody's gone this year. I didn't even think about it, but nobody has a no-hitter this year, and I think that that's a direct, uh, a direct outcome of the pitch clock era. You know, maybe no-hitters... I mean, there's probably going to be a no-hitter here or there, but maybe no-hitters are a thing of the past, kind of like complete games. Like, we're only going to see one or two every so often rather than the way it used to be where we would see a few no-hitters every year. Because when you get into a no-hit bid, the pressure mounts and the pitcher and catcher have to have a conversation. They have to be talking about what they're doing, but you can't do that anymore because you only have either 20 or 25 seconds to pull it off and if it's a no hitter if you're doing a no hit bid most of that is going to be 20 seconds so you have 20 seconds and really let's face it like you really only have what is it 12 seconds before the batter's ready and then you kind of have eight more seconds to get ready yourself it's it's a whole different era and that may actually be the death knell of the no hitters. It's an unintended consequence, but Kyle almost did it last night and uh, who knows if anybody's ever going to do it again. I don't know. Now, just because he almost did it didn't mean that he was, obviously it wasn't a perfect game. He did walk, I think Crawford. Nope. Sorry. He walked Conforto. But that was the only base runner until Hanniger blasted one off the base of the wall out in uh, out in left center. Um, and honestly, it's like every game you have to have like these amazing plays. There was no play to be made on that. It was a rocket ball, and I don't think I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a left fielder out there that could have made an amazing play on that. Like it was a catchable ball, sure if somebody had been standing right there but with the run uh Ian Happ couldn't get to it it bounced off it was a single and you know and I kind of bring this up because you know actually there were a few very hard hit balls against Kyle especially early in the game Jock Peterson crushed a ball in the first inning that went out to the deepest part of the field which is like 415 feet or something, but Morrell playing right field, say Suzuki uh, had a break yesterday. Um, but Jock hit this ball. It could have been a home run in other parts, you know, other places would have been out of the park, but not in San Francisco. And Hey, Hey, you pitch where you pitch. So it was good for Kyle in that moment. Um, and then in the third inning, uh, Talkman, Ooh, there was a shot out to right center field. It looked like it was going to be in the gap uh, right between Talkman and Morell. But Talkman, man, got on his horse, ran a long way to get there, and then had to make a diving 
backhanded catch. Uh, it was really impressive. And if this had actually gone to be a no-hitter, that would have been the play that everybody was pointing to as the thing that saved the no-hitter in the third inning. Um, it was a really impressive play. And you really can't complain about Talkman too much. I will tell you right now, though, uh, as well as Talkman is doing, playing his, he is actually, like, people aren't thinking about this, but he's playing his way into that center field position. What's going to happen is Bellinger comes back. They're going to put him out there, let him play. Hopefully he's going to be good. And then they're going to trade him. Because I'm sure this front office looks at Talkman as, oh, he's good enough to play our center field. And that's the guy that they're going to choose because he's going to be a lot less money than a guy like Bellinger. So I don't want to, you know, kind of rain on your parade there a little bit. Sorry about that. But, you know, Talkman is our uh, center fielder of the future if he keeps playing like he is right now. Um, and you know what that means. Mediocrity, baby. We're not going to have a star out there. We're just going to have a guy who's pretty good. Anyway, uh, so Kyle has a, an amazing day. And then they bring in Merriweather to lock it down. And you know what? I was good with that. Like, again, I would have loved to see Kyle come out and get the complete game. But who knows what's going on there? At least they brought out a guy like Merriweather. He had four runs to work with. He didn't need any of them got through there pretty easily with a couple of weak flyouts and then a strikeout at the end of the game. On the offensive side, uh, the Cubs were still not great. They only had five hits in this game, so n not real amazing. They had one walk, but they did end up with four runs off of those five hits and one walk, so at least they were productive. And why were they productive? Because they've got young guys that they let play, and the Mash Brothers came through. Yes, I'm calling uh, Mervis and Morell the Mash Brothers because both of them hit homers in this game. In the third inning, uh, Mervis, I mean, look, that's the swing. That's like, go back and watch that and watch how quickly that comes off the bat and how hard he hit that. It's that's the thing that he can do uh, if he could just do it a little bit more consistently. Gosh, he's been struggling. But last night he got all of that one and that ball went out. It's hard to hit it out to right field. It really is in uh, Oracle Park or whatever the name is of that field this week. Um yeah, it's, it's a very high wall, and uh, it's deep into that right field, but he hit it all the way up at the top. One bounce just hits the concrete up there in that standing room and bounced into McCovey Cove. So put that one in the water. Then in the fourth inning, Morell, uh, actually even maybe more impressive because he hit another home run out to right field, but he had to go opposite field to do it. Uh, he hit a ball that came down and like landed on top of the wall and bounced back into the field. So there was a little bit of a confusion. I was listening to the radio when this happened live and uh, there was a little bit of confusion as to whether or not it was a home run for sure. But uh, apparently the one of the umps saw it and called it a home run right away, but 
when the ball bounces back in the field, it gets a little bit confusing. But what a crush. And it's good to see Morrell getting back on the ball there a little bit. Uh, he hasn't had a home run in quite some time. He hasn't even had a hit for a little while. He has been walking a little bit. Um, you know, and who knows? Maybe Junis isn't very good. Or maybe he was just getting a little cutesy and saying, you know what? This kid can't beat me. And he, he got taken because of it. So that home run came as the lead off to the fourth inning. And I'm only bringing this up because uh, four other guys, Ian Happ singled after the home run, and then uh, Swanson, Mancini, and Mervis all got out. But then in the fifth, uh, Amaya struck out, but then Nick Madrigal walked, Mike Talkman doubled, and so then we had guys at second and third. Then there was a, a strikeout on Nico Horner, and he was upset about it. Uh I was honestly a little bit surprised he didn't get tossed for that, uh, complaining that he did, but he didn't, so all the better. But what that means is that uh, Morell got back around. He came back up uh, with two outs in the fifth inning, and he hit a single on the first pitch he saw straight up the middle. Uh, that scored Madrigal and Talkman. So, you know, have a game, kid. Like, he went in the fourth inning, hit a home run, and then his very next at-bat in the very next inning. That doesn't happen a ton where you get two at-bats and two straight innings, and then he hit a two-RBI single, which that's great. Love it. He accounted for 75% of the Cubs' runs, and him and Mervis accounted for 100% of the runs. You got to let the kids play. You got to let the kids play. I get it. They have Mervis and Morell have not been good recently. Now, I would say Morell, maybe because he's being used sort of oddly, of course. I've been pounding the table on that for a long time. Uh, in this game, he was in right field. He did okay in right field, but we had Nick Madrigal at third base. Again, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how anybody can be so bad that they make Nick Madrigal look good over at third base. Of course, with the the defensive alignment that they had out there, there may not have been another place for Madrigal to go. So that could have forced their hand a little bit there. But anyway, I digress. The Cubs won. Uh, and with that, they've won two in a row, which means that they won this series against the Giants. And they have a chance today to go for the sweep. And if they get the sweep, they go 500 on the road trip through California. Nobody really expected this to happen, so it'll be interesting if we can pull it off. We have uh, Wesneski going up against Brebia today. Now, this is interesting because Brebia started the game yesterday as well. The Giants used Brebia a few times uh, already this year, and obviously they're doing it again as an opener. He had two innings last night. Came out, started the game, two innings, and then they went to Junis, and then they finished with Manaya uh, for the rest of the game. So they're going to do another bullpen game like that, but I don't know that I've ever seen a starting pitcher, quote-unquote starting opening pitcher, come out two days in a row like this, but it's pretty interesting. Wisniewski has only faced three hitters on the Giants, uh, J.D. Davis, 
has uh, no hits in two attempts. Uh, Eric Estrada Ponch has uh, one hit in two attempts, and the one hit was a home run. And uh, Flores has one hit in two attempts, and that was also a home run. So uh, I think we understand why Wisniewski has only faced three batters because Estrada and Flores went yard on him uh, one out of two times that they saw him. And if that happened to be in the same game, probably was. It was probably time to get rid of Wisniewski. So it will be interesting to see what happens with the Wes in this game. Brebbia has obviously seen a lot of the Cubs batters because he literally pitched against them last night. Uh, so instead of telling you what he's what Brebbia has done against the Cubs all time, I'm just going to tell you what they did last night. Uh, Six up, six down. Yes, he went two innings, and he went one, two, three, both times. So if the Cubs put out a very similar lineup, we could have a very similar situation. Now, that's really probably not going to happen because Seiya Suzuki was not playing last night, and I don't think that they're going to give him two straight days off. So he's going to have, he's going to be out there, and he'll be one of the guys that Brebbia did not see last night. But Suzuki is 0 for 3 against him all time. Uh, we can only hope that uh, that's one of the few changes. I mean, I don't know what to do with this lineup all the time. Uh, I mean, I kind of do, but not from day to day because that's not how I look at baseball. Like, it's. Uh, I heard David Ross say in an in game interview, oh, you just play your best players. Well, David, you have not been doing that. You do not play your best players. That is a complete bald-faced lie. Uh, but whatever your players are, you're going to put out there this night. Uh, I hope it's not one of these terrible getaway days that, you know, we just say, whatever, we've already won the series and now we're going to lose. Now, I know none of the players would ever concede but it does feel like the front office and the manager do concede games like this quite often. But let's hope uh, the Cubs can, you know, do damage against this Giants uh, bullpen because it's obviously it's going to be another bullpen game. Um, they were not great against Manaya. Manaya was really good last night against the Cubs, but we're not going to see him because he pitched like four and a half innings, five innings or something. So it's going to be Brebbia, and then it's going to be new guys that they did not see yesterday. Let's hope that they can tee off on them a little bit more than they did last night. Because despite the four runs, uh, they did only have the five hits. This game will be coming to you at 3.05 Chicago Standard Time. So make sure you're done with all of your projects and in. Uh, unlike me yesterday trying to listen on the radio while I was doing a bunch of stuff. I really wish I could just watch all the games, uh, but nope, I wasn't able to get in until like the sixth or seventh inning. But maybe because I did all that, I'm just going to sit on my butt and watch this game today. And then, of course, you're probably going to lose because I'm watching. Oh, and I almost forgot. God, I'm already like 20 minutes into this thing, and I almost forgot it's Sunday, so we do the quick run through the league to see where everybody's at. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays are still leading the American League East, which is the best division in baseball. Second place are the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles are 16 games over 500, and they are five and a half games back 
of the race. That is insane. Uh, we will actually see the Orioles next weekend. I will see them hopefully in person. Saturday looks like it might be rainy, but hopefully it won't be. That's also Danny's CD release party at Output Lounge. So even if you can't go to that game, get down to Wrigleyville and get into Output Lounge and show some support. Uh, the Yankees, Blue Jays, and Red Sox round out that division, and the Red Sox are the only team under 500 in the AL East, and they are one game under 500. The AL Central, the Minnesota Twins, are one game above 500, and they are in first place. Yes, first place, and they are basically, they're, they're like one game, two games better than the Red Sox, who are in last place. Uh, anyway. The Guardians are in second. They're four games under 500. The White Sox are in third. The Tigers, fourth. Kansas City Royals still have not broken 20 wins, and uh, they are in dead last. In the AL West, the Texas Rangers are 41 and oh, I lost it. 41 and 22. So they are doing very well. Uh, the Astros are 37 and 28. They are five games back in second place. The Angels, uh, who we just saw, and they did well against the Cubs. Uh, they immediately lost after the Cubs left, but the Cubs helped them out a little bit. They're in third place, 35 and 31. The Mariners are 31 and 32, and the Oakland Athletics are the worst team in the league. They only have 16 wins. They are last. And I have no idea why I went through every team's record out in the West. Moving on to the NL East. Uh, the Atlanta Braves are 16 games over 500. They are 40 and 24. Uh, they are in first place. Marlins are four and a half back, followed by the Phillies. Mets, they are tied essentially. Uh, Mets are a half game behind the Phillies because they have one extra loss. And then the Nationals are bringing up the rear. I'm going to jump out to the NL West so that we can end in the NL Central in our favorite division. Uh, in the West, the Diamondbacks have taken a two-and-a-half game lead over the Dodgers, uh, which is a surprise. Last uh, time I was talking about this, they were tied uh, for a few games. Like, they were just neck and neck for a while. Uh, but then the, the Giants, who we have just beaten two days in a row, are now 32-32 and 32 at 500, and they are in third place. The Padres... Uh, who we split with are 31 and 33 and the Rockies are bringing up the rear there in fifth place. Now, ending with the central and the first place Pittsburgh Pirates. Now they're in first place by one percentage point over the Milwaukee Brewers. The Pirates have a 33 and 30 record for a 524 winning percentage. The Brewers have played more games. They have a 34 and 31 win loss record, and they have a 523 percentage. So it's essentially a tie. And I don't know. I personally think you put the Brewers on top of the Pirates just because they've played more games, but whatever winning percentages. And we know that baseball is ruled by accountants now. Uh, the Reds are in third place. The Cubs are in fourth place. We are not doing well. Um, we have won two, and we are still, what, eight games under 500? 
But we're better than the Cardinals, so that's good. The Cardinals are last. They are a game and a half back of the Cubs, and let's hope that continues. They have lost. They lost yesterday, and the Cubs have won two in a row. Hopefully, they will win three in a row and then come in to face the first-place Pittsburgh Pirates at Wrigley. And I don't know what's going to happen there. This week is going to be interesting, though, with the Pirates and the Orioles coming to town. Man, I've taken up way too much of your time. This is why I should write a script. I'm so much faster and quicker when I do a script. I don't go so long, but whatever. This actually took me less time overall. I don't know. Man, this is hard sometimes. So uh, I thank you so much, Patreon supporters who are listening to this right now. Because at least you guys understand that this is tough to do every single day. Me and Danny flip-flopping back and forth. And you're giving us money because you're telling us you appreciate us. Tell other people. If you can get five people to sign up at any amount, I will buy you an In the Clutch t-shirt from our friend Billy DeVore over at the Reds podcast. Uh, The New Dasty Boys. Sorry, I forgot the Reds podcast for a second. Also, don't forget to tune in for the live show tonight at 8 p.m. Chicago Standard Time. We will be talking about what I hope is going to be a San Francisco sweep and a 500 road trip. Oh, and also, if you haven't done it yet, and and literally only Artie Boucher, with he kind of did it as a joke, he has the only poem that's been put in to win Sandy Marchetti's uh, new book the aisle 224 so he is technically he's the default winter the winter winner at this point and uh so Artie, i know you're listening you may be the guy uh maybe you want to tell everybody not to make poems but i'm gonna say everybody needs to put poems in Artie, maybe you even need to want to do a few more just in case people do put in better poems than I think you had like a roses are red or cardinals are red cardinals are blue type of thing but yeah that might win you a book kid so anyway uh, see you tonight Spagog the Cubs a bunch. Buy your t-shirts from In The Clutch. We've got all the best styles for you. Dansby say a Morel too. Clark Fly in his double U. Cody Bellinger smoking dudes. Vintage shirts from days of old. Patrick Wisdom and Nico. You'll look sharp wearing your stroke. Temper set off with the code. S-O-N-R-A-N-T-O. S-O-N-R-A-N-T-O. InTheClutch.com is your store for the most fun baseball shirts on the planet. Don't forget to use promo code SUNRANTO to knock a couple bucks off your purchase. Stack or die, we need more cups. Get it all at InTheClutch. Cause if you like the Cubs a bunch, buy t-shirts from InTheClutch. Get it all at InTheClutch. Get it all at InTheClutch.
Hello and welcome to Cubs Pod, a Bleacher Bunch production on the Fans First Network. Your daily dose of digestible, damnable Cubs content. I'm your host, Danny Rocket, here to tell you what's happening right now in the world of the Chicago Cubs on June 13th, 2023. Had a day to digest, an off day, to digest the Cubs' loss to the Giants on Sunday. It is now Tuesday, and I got to tell you, I don't feel any better about it because the Cubs can't seem to win the last game. They can't seem to win on Sundays, and they can't seem to win the last game of a series to complete a sweep. Um, yeah, it's. I don't know what that's about. Like, if it's just a mental thing, like, hey, we won the first two, let's eat the meatloaf. I mean, it's something that we've been complaining about for a long time. I often wonder if this happens to other teams, too. But it feels like it just happens to us. Um, yeah, we ate 13 runs of meatloaf. On Sunday, as the Giants salvaged that last game, and the thirteen to three—I mean, just their butts kicked. Brandon Crawford was at the mound on the mound at the end of the game, just a disaster. Um, yeah, here are the teams that we've lost the last game to and not completed the sweep of. We did sweep the A's. That's the only team we've swept, but we've lost the last game of the series to Texas, great team. Seattle, pretty good team. Miami, pretty good team. Mets, pretty good team. Rays, really good team, and now the Giants. So we had a chance to sweep all of those pretty good teams, if not great teams, and we lost the last game of the series. Um, uh, and But we, check this out, though. We lost the last game of a series in general 16 times out of 21 series. And I only bring that up to say that that's your travel day. That's when you're getting on the plane, you just lost, and instead of having fun on the plane because you just won a game and you had a walk-off or you, you know, you've completed the sweep or, and you're feeling good about it yourself, instead, 16 out of 21 times, you've left with a bad taste in your mouth. And even worse, we're 2-9 and nine on Sundays. <laughs> like, what the hell? I know that's probably random, but is it? Well, let's talk about this game a little bit and how this one went off the rails. Hayden Wisniewski started it, and he wasn't good. He gave up five runs in his three innings of pitching. Gave up two homers to Jock Peterson. One of them right in the first inning after Wes hit the first batter of the game. Uh, Meanwhile, the Cubs' first batter of the game, Mike Talkman, doubled. And even though Morrell walked in that inning with uh, one out, the Cubs got absolutely nothing. In fact, they got nothing all day. They were 0 for 15 with runners in scoring position, and they scored all their runs on outs. Or, or almost outs. <laughs> in, plays that should have been outs is how they scored, and outs. The Cubs had seven total hits in this game. Uh, two by Nico Horner. He needed that. He's been scuffling a little bit, but he did strike out twice, and one of those hits was off of aforementioned shortstop Brandon Crawford. So do that with that what you will. The Cubs did uh, score in this game a little bit. As I mentioned, they scored them on outs. Um, Cubs scored their first run in the second inning, making it 2-1 to one after that. Jock Peterson, two-run shot in the first. Uh, Talkman reached on an error. Uh, Casey Schmidt, was playing, who's normally a third baseman, was playing shortstop in this game. Giants a little banged up. And uh, the uh, Cubs actually uh, tied it. Uh, in the third briefly 
when uh, Jan Gomes uh, hit a double play ball and, and it scored a run, but uh, everybody was safe and he beat it out. And um, but the Cubs could not uh, capitalize on that any further. And Mervis grounded out. Wisdom struck out. And just that's how you get over 15 with runners in scoring position. Uh, Jock, as I mentioned, hit two homers in this game. Uh, he hit a second one in the third after Casey Schmidt made up for his error and doubled. And um, yeah, four to then the Giants were in the lead, and it, that was it. They never looked back. They had enough to win right then. Then and there was four zip. West got taken out in the fourth inning after giving up a single and a walk. Fulmer came in. He gave up a single that scored the leadoff single, but other than that, he got out of the inning. That run run was charged to West and not Fulmer who actually brought his ERA down slightly to 593. So we're all very proud of him working his way, working his way back to a more presentable, tradable ERA. Um, Then it didn't get any better out of the Cubs' bullpen. Our bullpenis was terrible. Our our bullpenis terrible. Uh, Brandon Hughes stank. In the fifth, he gave up a single, a double, and a single to uh, Jock Peterson J.D. Davis and Michael Conforto, and at the end of all that, it was 7-2. to two. Then Rucker tried to come in and stopped the bleeding. He was not good. He gave up a walk in the single. Then it was 8-2. to two. Garbage time now. Cubs scratched out one in the sixth when Mervis reached on an error. Wisdom replaced him with a fielder's choice. Madrigal singled. Uh, Talkman reached on yet another error, and a Nico ground out. Scored wisdom. It was eight to three. I mean, who cares? Jeremiah Estrada came in. Everybody stunk. Our bullpen is terrible. Estrada came in. He gave uh, and gave up a homer to Estrada. <laughs> so it was now uh, te- nine to three in this game. Then he gave up two walks to Peterson and Davis. Uh, eventually, a sack fly scored. What scored Peterson? It was then ten to three. Assad then came in, was no better than any of the other pitchers, gave up a single to Hanniger, a double to Schmidt. Estrada hit another home run, This a three-run variety. This time it was then 13-3. That was the end of the scoring, but Assad did give up another single and a walk. Fast forward to the ninth inning, uh, because I'm not going to bore you with all the dumb, boring stuff that happened in this game, because the, the exciting stuff was bad enough. The boring stuff was just boring. Fast forward to the ninth, Brandon Crawford on the mound, throwing 87. He walked Tockman. Uh, Horner singled, so I'm like, ooh, <laughs> maybe they'll have to remove Brandon Crawford if the Cubs, you know, score five runs. You know, make this a uh make this a safe situation. Did not happen. Not that Brandon Crawford got the save or anything, but uh Tockman was then out on a a fielder's choice by Morrell. Uh, Hap flew out. Mancini popped out. And we couldn't even score off of Brandon Crawford with runners in scoring position. So that was his first time pitching, and he's throwing 88. I don't know. Like, we have, he throws as hard as Kyle Hendricks. Like, I don't know what's going on. That's how you don't win. That's how you don't complete sweeps. You had everything right there for you. In fact, uh, you know, the Giants committed four errors in this game. Usually, when you get seven hits and four errors and you walk 
Uh, let's see how many times did they walk. They, only three times, but still, they didn't strike out a lot. They, I mean, they just failed when uh, the chips are down. The bullpen was absolutely atrocious. So we lose Sunday, no fun day. And you come back to Wrigley to face the, I believe they're in first place, Pirates. I'm looking at the standings right now. Yeah, they are. Uh, Milwaukee, a game back, having lost four straight, including getting swept by the Oakland A's. That'll never stop being funny, but there the Pirates are, 34-30. and Um, They're the worst first-place team in the National League, but, you know, what are you going to do? Like, I don't even know if they're a wild-card team if they drop out of first. Wild-card's not coming from the Central. I'm I'm pretty pretty sure this year I would bet on it. I would. And I'm not a betting man, but I bet on that. Um, Yeah, they're in first place. I don't know. I mean... Middle of June, you're almost halfway through the season. At this point, can you really call it a fluke? I mean, it's odd, it's unexpected, but it's kind of gone past fluke stage. And, I, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to add, but they're in a position to add in the fact that they have no payroll. <laughs> I mean, maybe they build for next year along with it. I mean, maybe they pick up some starting pitching and, and, and go for, it. I mean, they could change their team fundamentally. I mean, O'Neill Cruz could be back maybe by the end of the season that changes their situation. I mean, when you're the pirates and you're in the situation where you could get it done, I mean, maybe you just go ahead and get it done. And, um, I, I'm, I'm not not saying I'm shocked by this. I I do believe that there's many a situation where uh, a a young team, especially, can overperform uh, because they don't. They believe in in themselves. They're not in a place where they've uh, you know been run through the ringer. They've got a lot of energy because they're young, and um, you know there are. I mean, Dick Mountain's on this team. Rich Hill. I mean, it's not like. They have no veteran know-how. I mean, Andrew McCutcheon came back, just got his 2,000th hit. I mean, there's a little magic beans being eaten down there, and so you just kind of wonder if they have what it takes to take the Central. I mean, especially when you've got uh, teams that are kind of rising at this point with also young players, maybe a little bit behind the Pirates. But uh, the Cincinnati, it, it, they lead the Cubs by – Three games in the standings right now, uh, three games under, but still, like, I could see them doing it over the Cubs, who just look a little tired. They can't complete sweeps. They they can't win on Sunday. Like, what are we looking at? But when when you look at the Pirates' overall numbers, I mean, they have an average OPS. Uh, it's better than the Cubs, 732 versus the Cubs, 713. Um They've never really been a home run hitting team. In fact, they've got the sixth fewest homers in the league. And uh, when it comes to uh, striking out, they, I'm looking at that up right now. Where the heck are they? Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah, they don't strike out a lot. Sixth, seventh fewest strikeouts. I mean, they're an average team when it comes to – I mean, they, they steal a lot of bases. I mean, that helps out a lot. But that's usually what bad teams do because they can't score any other way. Um, so offensively, they're not 
world beaters or anything. And in fact, um, the Cubs have scored just a few. They've scored nine fewer runs, nine fewer runs. Uh, but they're 20th in the majors. Cubs are 22nd when it comes to running run scoring. Who's in the middle there? Um, the White Sox. <laughs> so that's kind of funny. The Cubs have scored five fewer runs than the White Sox. That's unacceptable. But you look at teams that are scoring runs. Uh, Cincinnati Reds in our division, they, they've they got more runs. Uh, the Cardinals have more runs, but they're behind in the standings. So just a weird year. Brewers, uh, they've scored fewer runs than anybody in the Central, but they're in second place. So, I mean, apparently runs don't matter. Wins do. Imagine that. Um, as far as the uh, the Pirates and their their bullpen, I mean, the Pittsburgh Pirates have the 11th best bullpen right now with the 378 ERA. Cubs are a run higher. I mean, absolutely terrible showing the other day in uh, in uh, San Francisco and the Pirates. There, it's they don't really have any strikeout stuff. They've got the the fourth fewest strikeouts in the major leagues out of the bullpen. Uh, the Cubs in that category are just average. And so, I mean, it's once again, like this, these are not world beaters, but they're getting it done. They're doing more with what they have. I don't know what their schedule looks like. I mean, I mean, they, they might have a, t- a tougher end of the season schedule and it's all going to fall apart for them at some point. I know the Cubs schedule gets a little bit easier and was front loaded, but you know the Pirates are not giving up a lot of walks either. They've you know they're on the top half of the league at least as far as that stuff goes. And you just wonder if a team like them, they're not traditionally ones to add, but who knows? Maybe they freaking add. <laughs> I mean, I would, but then again, I'm not a stingy billionaire. You don't get rich giving your money away. I'll tell you that much. And um, who are they throwing out there tonight? Uh, well, it's a man named Luis L. Ortiz. The L stands for Leandro. He's one and two with a 423. He's got 16 strikeouts and 15 walks and 27 innings pitched. That's not great. And he's going up against uh, Jamison Tyone, who's one and four with a 702. Let's get that under seven there, Jamison. He, he does have a 466 FIP, whatever you want to do with that information. And he kind of carves up his old team. I mean, I'll I'll start there because I just mentioned him. Um, uh, Carlos Santana, uh, otherwise, uh, I mean, longtime guitar player for the band Santana. And uh, also played a little bit with, uh, I, I believe it was Matchbox 20. Um, and, and he also went 0 for 13 against Jamison Tyone. G-Man Choi is 0 for 6. Andrew McCutcheon is 0 for 4. I mean, there's a lot of offers here. Uh, Jack Sawinski does have a dong off of him and is 2 for 3, but he's the only one. And overall, in 47 plate appearances, the Pirates are slashing 119, 170, 238, 408 OPS. So, Jamison Tyone might like to pitch against his old team, and that might bode well for us. Luis Ortiz is a really young guy. Um, he's only 24 years old. And he has a 423 ERA, which I already mentioned, and a 1.807 whip based upon all those walks you heard about. 
Uh, he gave up two runs on ten hits with two walks through five against Oakland. So that's not great. Um, his FIP's actually a lot higher than his ERA, 609. So maybe he's actually worse. He's a mixed bag of a pitcher. He ended up going 7.2 innings and giving up two runs on five hits against Texas in a game the Pirates won. Texas is a great team, great offense, probably one of the best in the major leagues. Uh, but So he can do things like that. But then, you know, against St. Louis, he was only able to go two innings. And it was kind of maybe an opener situation. So he's been kind of like a, a – he started – Every single game, uh, except for the one versus Oakland, he went five innings in relief. So, I don't know. He's swinging in and out of the bullpen and, and starter kind of situation. So, this game, if it happens, it's going to be wet out there. Uh, it's going to rain pretty much all afternoon and into the evening. So, we'll even see if this one happens. But this one might get washed out and played tomorrow. We shall see. what Maybe the starters stay the same. Maybe they move to these guys to the night. I don't know what happens, but the rain is quite likely all day long and into the night. We'll see what happens, but I, I hope not because I'm supposed to go to this game with Ranter goalie dad, otherwise known as David. And, um, it's pride night. So it'd be a shame to see all that. Those celebrations get washed out because I really doubt that everybody's going to come back for, you know, a one twenty start tomorrow to, to have pride night. Um, people will show up, get their pride shirts, get their pride hats, and um, the game will get washed away. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you got to come back for all that stuff. It, it, it's going to be definitely a mess if um, that's what happens, and it looks like that's what's going to happen. Um, speaking of, uh, well, the Cubs numbers against Luis Ortiz, there's, we're over. Hap, Horner, Wisdom, two at-bats, nothing. In fact, Hap and Horner struck out. So, got to improve on that. Can't let Luis L. Ortiz hit a no-no, uh, get a no-no against us. But let me tell you about Pride Night, if it happens. Pre-game performance, Chicago Gay Men's Chorus at Gallagher Way. They're also going to sing the National Anthem. TikTok stars Adam Motz and T. Lamb of Two Dads, Two Twins will throw out the ceremonial first pitch. Um, partnership with... Uh, there's a Chamber of Commerce, a Pride Market at Gallagher Way. So I'm going to get there kind of early, see what's going on with at Gallagher Way, because there's face painting, and I think I need to get my face painted. There's a pregame ceremony to honor Glenn Burke, the first openly gay MLB player. Um, there's a seventh-inning stretch performed by two-time James Beard Award winner, Chef Art Smith, who I assume is gay because he's participating in Pride Night. Uh, DJ Cash Error. Era is going to be doing the ballpark music, uh, guest DJ. Uh, there's going to be pride merchandise available at the Cubs team store. So Cubs are throwing down. There's still a hat available if you want the special pride night ticket. And um, I hope it happens, but let's face it. This is a pretty terrible pitching matchup on what is going to be a pretty terrible wet night. And it's a shame because it's Pride Night. And, I don't know, fly the rainbow. Uh, I would like to ask everybody to please review the Bleacher Bunch podcast and mention the Cubs pod and mention Sun Ranto Show and mention 
uh, Cup of Cubby Blue on there uh, because we don't have enough reviews on there. We're trying to restart our RSS feed. And it's really a great way for us to get seen by others. It improves our ratings on iTunes and uh, Spotify and some of the other streaming apps. Um, so please review us. Uh, also, if you want the Bleacher Bum Band album before June 17th, uh, it's only a few days away, but it's still not up on the streamers yet on the Spotify's and the YouTube musics and the titles and all that stuff. Um, so uh, please buy the album because it's the only way we make money as musicians these days is by selling you a, an overpriced T-shirt. So um, we worked really hard. We're a thousand bucks in on this thing. Uh, we'd love to recoup some of that money. Um, and we haven't even come close yet. So uh, all you got to do is go to sunranto.com slash bleacher bump band or go to sunranto.com and click on bleacher bump band. And for 40 bucks, you can get a, a shirt and an early download of the album. It has a version of Steve Garvey's Hairy Arms that is not available for streaming because it has some copyright issues of and not the express written consent of Major League Baseball, so I didn't want to mess with that. And um, please just buy it. Um, it would really help. Even if you just buy the T-shirt, that really helps. Uh, it's $30. It's $40 for the album. You, you can just buy the album itself. Uh, the other way you can really help us and, and is to join our Patreon, which is to go to sunranto.com slash bleacherbumband. Um, it costs us $65 every time we want to rehearse. And right now we're getting $50 a month on Patreon. So this is basically a money-losing enterprise for the Bleacher Bum Band. And if you want us to exist, um, please support us. Um, also through Sunranto uh, or Patreon, you could get it at the $5 level. Um, it is available for download right now. That's all I got to say about that. I know if you're listening to this, you're already a Sunranto patron, but maybe you're not at the $5 level. And you get music, you get photography. Uh, at some of the higher levels, you can get shout-outs on the show. We'll even advertise your business uh, for as little as 25 bucks, so a month. So, I don't know, it's a pretty good deal. The kink, you, you can't even get a freaking a beer bet at Wrigley Field for $25. And I'm literally going to make you money by advertising your pyramid scheme. Anyhow, uh, I guess that's my little commercial over, but um, ain't no time like the present to tell you that I need money. <laughs> Just kidding. Actually, I'm not. So uh, anyway, I, I hope this Pirate Series goes well. We're facing two really good teams, surgent teams. Um, to be honest, I don't really like our chances. I, I just, I look at this Cubs team and I see anemia. I look at the Pirates, I look at the Orioles, and I see teams doing more with uh, what they have than they're supposed to be doing, and I see the Cubs doing the exact opposite. It's sad, but that's where we are, folks. So uh, happy Pride Night, and I hope this game gets played, not washed away, but even so, love y'all. Spagog. Have a great day. Stuck. Hey, Cubs fans, at Amazon.com, do you buy lots of stuff? 
why not support the Sun Ranto show by shopping through sunranto.com slash All you gotta do is fill your cart at Amazon with lots of Then before you check out with all of that wonderful stuff, head on over to sunranto.com slash and click any of our Amazon links before you buy your Check out like you normally would with all that beautiful stuff. And the Sun Ranto Show will get a small kickback because of the stuff you bought. And you'll be helping the Sun Ranto Show buy all the stuff. We need to stay on the air talking about the Cubs and other stuff. Plus, you could win a monthly prize if some of your stuff. is chosen for 